from time to time, you've heard me mention my great uncle Frank, who was uh, the third man over the Remagen Bridge in World War II and lost his whole arm, his arm to a German mortar cannon with three days left in the war. And after he returned from the war, he led by his own self-proclamation a very unholy life. He used to pay my dad a quarter to try to wake him up on a morning after the weekend of heading to the bars and drinking and carousing. And my dad was determined to get him out of bed every morning. And he would shake him and try to get him up because he was usually not in a good state. Years went by and my uncle Frank ended up really coming back to the faith. He was a model for the faith. And one day he was watching EWTN and the priest on EWTN said, and my dad's at his house with my uncle Frank watching the EWTN. My dad wasn't very much familiar with EWTN at the time, but my uncle Frank was glued to the television. So even when my dad would come over, he'd be like, shh, I'm watching Mother Angelica. And so I think it was Father Carapi or somebody who, one of the priests was on and he said, no sin is greater than the mercy of God. And my uncle Frank looked over at my dad and he says, boy, am I sure glad to hear that. <laughs> and the point is, this is the message that we have through St. Matthew today. St. Matthew on this first Friday is a perfect example of who we want to be like. That is not the sinner part, the repentant part. Now, Matthew was the most unlikely man. He was a sinner. He was. He was a tax collector, and therefore he was a traitor in the eyes of the Jews, a renegade. You know, I've explained this before, but it's pertinent to Matthew. Tax collectors, uh, they would buy the rights to be tax collectors, responsible to the Romans or to Herod, and for an agreed amount of sum, for agreed upon sum, they would collect the money from the people. Now here's the thing. Anything that they could raise above that, they got to keep for themselves. So today we have here Nancy or Vic or Chris or Paula. I could say, okay, let's suppose they only owed um, five denarii for their taxes. They wouldn't even know what they owed. But I would go up to them and say, you owe me 10. They wouldn't even know it. And I would get them to pay me 10. I would give five to the Romans and I would keep five. Well, the Jews knew this about tax collectors. That's why they despised them. They thought you're taking from us when all we believe to give to is God. And you're taking from your own people and you're giving it to the Romans. This is why they were despised. So people didn't know how much they even owed. So to them, the tax collector was dishonest. He was a sinner. So Jews hated them because they thought, we only owe to God. We don't owe to you or to Rome. So here comes somebody like uh, uh, Simon the Zealot, not Simon Peter. But you see all our 12 apostles up here? Our, the 12 apostles, one of them was Simon the Zealot. Now, Simon the Zealot was a nationalist. His job was he was sworn to defend Israel against all traitors to the point that they would assassinate them. 
And so here you got Jesus bringing together Matthew, who's this tax collector, and Simon the Zealot. They should have killed each other. Simon the Zealot literally could have and should have, by the laws of Israel, killed Matthew the tax collector when he saw him swindling the people. But yet Jesus can unite people who used to be even the greatest enemies. Poor Matthew. You know, my, I was ordained a deacon on the, on the feast day of St. Matthew, September 21st, 2013. And I remember thinking, man, this guy, you know, he probably was really hated because he taxed Peter, James, and John on their fish. So they probably, when Jesus brought him in, they're probably like, and what is going on here? Lord, before I join your clan, I want my money back. This is how we think of things. Now, in Matthew, Jesus called a man, as I said, who is a sinner, broken, and people didn't like. Maybe we resonate with that. We're all broken. I mean, we've all sinners. So even his own brother, another one of the apostles, James, not James, the one you're thinking of, Peter, James, and John. There was another James called James the Lesser who actually wrote the book of James. He was his own brother, and he despised Matthew. I mean, think about this situation here. So Jesus chose Matthew in the midst of all this. Now, if you want to be politically correct, you would be like, well, we can't choose Matthew because people don't like him. It's kind of like our society today. Unless you stand for women's rights to abort a baby and same-sex rights to be able to marry, I, I will be liked, afraid of the truth. And this is what we have to look at what's going on. So Jesus chose Matthew not because he was super religious or holy or learned or popular or saintly or well-liked. It's not why Jesus chose him. Jesus chose him because of what he could become. You know, you remember um, the story of David, right? Who walked into Jesse? Remember, Jesse was the father of David. And who walked into Jesse's house and said, I need to anoint the new king. And he brought in all his sons. And it was Samuel, right? And Samuel came in and said, I'm here to anoint the future king. Is this all you got? He says, well, we got the little scrawny one out in the fields. He said, bring him in. And he said, that's the one. He said, God doesn't look at the appearance. He looks at the heart. So if, if you don't have the appearance or we know we're broken, let's not worry about that. Let's only worry about our heart. And that's what today is when we celebrate the sacred heart. Make our heart like unto thine heart, Jesus. Today is the sacred heart. Today is the heart of Jesus. Today, make our heart like your heart, because that's what God looks at. He doesn't look at appearance, perfectness, um, well, whether you're well-liked, whether you're popular. He looks at the heart. And this is what he did with David. When Samuel came to anoint him, he said, God looks at the heart and not the appearance of a man. So this is what's going on. But Jesus saw not only the, who Matthew was, but who Matthew could become. It's the same with us. A couple days ago, I gave that homily and I says, does God love you? You know, people always say, well, Father, I'm, I'm cohabitating. I'm living in sin. I'm not going to mass. I'm not receiving the sacraments. God loves me just the way I am. 
And I asked that question a couple days ago. I said, is that true? Does God love you just the way you are? And everybody said, no. I said, yes. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants us to grow in virtue so that we can be with him. It shows all of us. It shows all can be converted to follow Christ no matter how sinful we are. There's only one sin. Let's go back to EWTN to my uncle Frank. When they said there's no sin outside the mercy of God. There is one. I forgot to mention. There is one sin outside the mercy of God. There's one unforgivable sin. It's called the sin against the Holy Spirit. And that simply means not asking for the mercy of God. So the very fact that you walk into that confessional, you're asking for the mercy of God. So I, I said before, I, in that same homily, I denied my vocation for years, years. And, and I even left the Marians because I told Father Dan, I'm not holy enough. He's like, that's exactly why you should be, be called by God. Look at Matthew. He wasn't holy enough. My dad, going back to my father, used to say that the nuns, when he was taught by the nuns, the Immaculate Heart of Mary sisters in Monroe, Michigan, he said that, that he would ask the nun, because these certain nuns that seemed all perfect and pious and criticizing everybody else that wasn't perfectly holy and wasn't, was sitting with the wrong posture in the pew, they seemed to disappear. And my dad would ask the one nun, he said, the sister Alice Marie was like this most, she was the first nun that taught him God is not a fire breathing monster, but he's all about love in the heart. And she was the first one to teach him that as a little kid. And he said, she was the first one to show me that God's in our heart. God's a heart. God is love. And these other ones that were all about this and that, and, and I'm better than you because I'm holier than you. They never made it. The ones who were down to earth, who were real broken sinners, but knew it and were humble enough to admit it, they were the sisters that made it. Wow. To me, that's a powerful message. And so I can say all these things about my dad because his internet's not working at home now, so he's not able to watch. So, so but I, I wanted to finish because... This is the thing. The apostles weren't holy enough either. I mean, I get all kinds of letters that I can't be anymore father part of the church. I'm intrigued by this chaplet of divine mercy and the rosary, and I'm intrigued by it, but I will never come back to the church because of the scandal. I got one this morning because we charged indulgences 500 years ago. So what I say is, God bless you that you're even writing this is a good thing, but we don't leave Jesus because of Judas. You've heard me say this all the time. Look at the apostles. One betrayed him. One denied the resurrection. One, uh, they all ran away. Another one betrayed him. So you had one who betrayed him, Judas, one who denied him, Peter, one who didn't believe in the resurrection, Thomas, and they all ran away except John at the cross. Does this sound like Jesus picked an all-star team? No, he picked a bunch of broken people that showed his glory was even greater when he did with them what he did. And it's the same with you and me. You know, it's funny because I've, I, I can't emphasize this enough either. When we look at the apostles, we think that they were perfect. And they are, they were saints. 
They became perfect. Again, they didn't start perfect. God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to allow us to stay that way. He leads us to grow into something greater. And I, I, I think it's fascinating because I always say, do you know what, of the 12 apostles, who was the most sophisticated, educated, and cultured of all the 12 apostles? Judas. And do you know who was the rawest, roughest, and probably the most foul-mouthed of all the 12 apostles? Peter. Look what happened to Judas. Look what happened to Peter. It goes back to the same story with the nuns. I think this is important. So God will use our talents. Why would he choose Matthew? Because he already had a bunch of fishermen. Now he needed somebody who could write. Matthew was a writer. He was educated. So God can use that too. Now, <clears throat> the others were fishermen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he picked Matthew. Matthew could write. Matthew wrote the first gospel. Right? He left his old life. He left it all there at the table. He just got up and he walked away. For some of us, that means physically doing that. For me, the hardest thing in my life was leaving a business, a home, and a girl I wanted was planning on marrying in North Carolina, living on a lake. I thought it was everything God could give a man. For others, it's leaving a life of spiritualness, coming to God, maybe giving up things that are attached to in our lives, not just physical things, but giving up our, our attachments in life. It's turning away from sinful or materialism in our life. So a vocation to follow Christ is something we should be happy about. Not like, oh man, like remember the poor guy when Jesus said, follow me, but he had many riches and he went away sad. Don't be sad, be joyful. You know, we say it before, we, we Marian fathers, you know, we, we basically all gave up everything we had. We now live on basically $50 a month, and I always qualify that. It's not totally true because, you know, our insurance is paid, our food is paid, our lodging, things like that. But for real spending money, for incidentals and things like that, $50 a month. Well, oh my gosh, $50, I used to go through $50 a minute in my prior life. And, 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 and yet now I'm happier than I've ever been, and I have nothing. I've never been happier. That's what God's message is here. I know this is a lot of information, but this is the thing. This is why Matthew gave the banquet. Matthew gave the banquet because he wanted to celebrate. He was happy giving everything away, unlike the poor man, or I'm sorry, the rich man who walked away. Matthew said, I'm giving it all away and I'm joyful. Let's celebrate. Wow. How many of us would throw a party when we just became broke? <laughs> so finally, Jesus said, I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. Thank you, Lord. Then people might ask, well, then why do I want to be righteous? If God came to call the sinner and not the righteous, if he said, I didn't come for the righteous, I came for sinners, then you'd be like, well, wait a minute then. Why be righteous? Let me be a sinner. I can enjoy life. And then Christ came for me. Well, now, come on. Let's not quite do that. All right. By righteous, he didn't mean that he wasn't calling the good man. Look at Nathaniel. He said, this is a good man. He has no duplicity in him. But what he meant was the Pharisees who thought they were righteous and didn't need cleansing. They were more concerned with preserving their own image than with helping others in their sin. 
That's who Jesus is talking about. He didn't mean he didn't call a good man. He meant I didn't call the people who think that they're good men when they really aren't. They were like doctors who refused to visit, refused to visit the sick because they might get some infection. This is why I was shouting since the coronavirus started. Why are we closing churches? Keep these churches open. You know, um, <clears throat> I had a priest out of North Carolina. He says, if you're ministering to the sick and you happen to catch something and you die as a priest, praise be to God. I went, wow, that's a priest. That's a priest. And so let us not be afraid. Let us not be afraid. On first instinct, we should never, though, condemn the sinner. This is very important. Our first instinct should be to help them. And that's why the Jewish scripture stated that one should not have fellowship with sinners, though. How do you explain that? Father, if you're telling me that we should embrace sinners, why did the Jewish faith say not to associate with sinners? People quote that from the Old Testament. Why? These warn against being influenced by sinners, not being in their company. You should be in their company. Jesus was in their company, but he wasn't influenced by them. He was influencing them. So when the Jewish scriptures say, stay away from sinners, what it means is don't be influenced by them. If, you don't, if you're not strong enough and you're too weak, don't associate with them. But if you really want to be Christ-like, dive into the midst of them. Dine with them. But you influence them. They don't influence you. So Jesus came to call those who know they are sinful. We all are. And that we need a Savior. And if we make that choice to follow Christ, we will find ourselves, yeah, poorer in material things. Because we've, we've been given to the mission of God and his mercy. But these worldly ambitions will have to go they, if we want to find true peace sometimes. That doesn't mean that rich people can't, good people can't have wealth. Look at Tom Monahan. Can't say enough positive about Tom Monahan. This man is one of the most beautiful men ever. He's also one of the richest. Doesn't mean that. Money's not the root of all evil. The inordinate love of it and making it your God is the root of all evil. And Tom, people, rich people like Tom Monahan don't do that. So to finish, Matthew left the tax collector's table that same day that Jesus called him. And he gave up, yes, things in the material sense, but in a spiritual sense, he became heir to a fortune because he opened his heart. And that is what you are doing here with us. These people here, you on the live stream, you are opening your heart or you wouldn't be here. And on a first Friday, when we celebrate the sacred heart of Jesus, we not only say, Lord, open my heart, but now fill it and make my heart like unto thine. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.